Welcome to the Tech Sales Show, where we are dedicated to making you a better tech seller, sharing tried and true sales strategies and answering your questions weekly. Hey, Bobby. What's up, Brian? We're kicking off a new series. Uh, it's series number 25. This is episode number 140. Coming up on the three-year mark, Bobby. That's Pretty big amazing. stuff. Yeah, yeah, fun. yeah, fun, fun. Listenership has really grown. We uh, appreciate everyone listening, and please share it with a friend. That's also in tech sales. Um, this again is a four-part series. We're going to talk about emotional intelligence. This has been one we did a listener's choice on this um, a while back, uh, kind of on self-awareness and stuff. But um, this one's meant to kind of unpack that a lot deeper. And so in this series, we've uh, collected a lot of data from different books. Emotional Intelligence 2.0 is something we've talked about you know, for a couple of years now on the podcast. Um, we've uh, got data from consultants. We've got data from the Harvard Business Review to build this series out. So this is a topic that I'm really passionate about. I love it. It's... Um, you know, it's kind of the game behind the game, you know, before you even get involved in a deal, a pursuit, uh, start working for a new client. Like this is the stuff that happens, uh, technology and agnostic. This is the stuff that really moves the needle when it comes to pursuits and, and winning business. Yeah, people buy from people that they like. And uh, obviously this is a big part of being liked and being being received well, right? So uh, this is actually a four-part series. It's going to be very interesting to kind of dive through all the parts you want to kind of talk about what each week's going to be like, Brian? Yeah, let's do that. So um, episode one, we're really just going to kind of unpack what emotional intelligence is. And it's it's kind of four components, self-awareness, social awareness, self-management, and relationship management. And we'll get to those uh, more deeply in a moment because that will be much of what we talk about today. Next week, we'll talk about seven toxic behaviors um, of people that have low emotional intelligence. So like Again, like today, we'll unpack what even is this. Uh, and then the second episode, we'll talk about like what impact does bad emotional intelligence have. Episode three, we'll talk about a number of ways that you can become both uh, more self-aware and socially aware. And this isn't socially from a political standpoint. This is socially from a, um, just recognizing behaviors that are going on around you. Um, and then episode number four is um, all about, we'll finish up the series with that. That's all about um, self-management, relationship management. How do, you, how do you better manage conversations with others and manage your reactions to the environment around you? Good stuff. Uh, I can remember uh, working backwards through those, kind of how I managed myself in different spots in my career. Man, I wish I would have heard some of this sooner. I can man. I can remember the socially aware stuff where I really was so focused on what I wanted to accomplish that I, I missed the bigger picture many, many times. Um, and I'm sure people that are listening that know me, if there's anyone out there listening that knows me, you'll be able to identify me in every one of the seven toxic behaviors at some point. But I think I've come a long way, and I think we can help you do that as well. This is uh, an interesting topic where you know I I coach a lot of people today. And some people I know when I'm coaching them, they they're not going to make much progress, right? They, they they have a they have a low aptitude to get better, and they have a low work ethic as it relates to maybe fixing some of the problems that they have. But this EQ is something that everyone can fix. It's not it's not you're not stuck with what you were born with. 
you know, people say IQ is something that you had from the day you were born and your ability to learn and be smart. That's, that stuff is kind of at a, at a plateaued level, um, only swingable points either direction. But this one is something that we can learn and work on and adapt to and, and change the way we interact with people holistically and get better and better at this going from a very low, low score. And there's a lot of assessments out there um, to, to a very, very high score and really change the way people think about you. One of the things that I'll challenge anyone listening that's thinking, oh, I've got good EQ. I don't need this this series. I'm going to skip back to something else. Uh, what, what do you think really would happen if you sent out a 360 review to your peers and asked them to answer a bunch of questions about how you handle yourself, your mood, uh, how well you react or how little you react to stimuli when it's created? How many people would say, there's no one that gets under his or her skin. You know, all those things are what we're going to talk about the next four weeks. And I guess if you are perfect at all those things, go ahead and hit pause and pick a different episode. But uh, I doubt there's anyone listening, including myself, that couldn't use a lot from this. And in fact, um, many, if not most senior leaders uh, for large companies and large organizations uh, take these 360 reviews to, to find gaps and holes too. So Taking one of these surveys is an indication of uh, tenure or um, maturity. It's it's a it's finding what the hole. That's what senior leaders are looking to do. They're looking to find holes in themselves and repair those holes. Because to your point, this is this is different than like an IQ test. This is something like I can find these holes and and then fix these holes. No doubt, and we'll talk about it throughout this series. I'm sure. But as as Brian mentioned, Emotional Intelligence 2.0 is a good book. Whether you buy the print book or the audio book, the link will be in the show notes. But there is an EQ assessment that you can take. Uh, you can take it before you listen to another word of this episode. And then at the end of this four-part series and after the end of listening to that book, they, they want you to take the assessment again and just see how far you've grown uh, in a very short period of time. And so I challenge you each to do that. Um, but there's all kinds of tools out there that you can pay for, probably small amounts of money. To, to ask and query and get a 360 review amongst your team and, and find those gaps for yourself if you so are inclined. So Bobby, let's uh, let's define it a little bit further and um, we'll give some we'll give some kind of signs of low emotional intelligence. Um, we'll talk about kind of why we're doing the series further uh, go from there. Um, so to kind of define this, your EQ or that's your emotional quotient or you know that's just kind of the numerical measurement of your emotional intelligence is your ability to identify and understands, understand emotions uh, in yourself and in other people. And then you use this awareness because you're kind of seeing this from a bird's eye view about yourself. You're using this awareness to manage your response to other people, uh, even to your own emotions and your relationships. And so we act on emotional impulses because we've got neural signals in our, signals in our brain that pass through the emotional center, those are, that's our limbic system, before it reaches our logic center. Um, so it's kind, of, it's kind of recognizing this occurring before we take a, uh, a quick, a too quick of a response to it, right? So, so really we're kind of slowing down this process, recognizing the situation at hand, and then kind of fixing our, what could be our uh, instinctual reaction to something like this. Because I think by instinct, we're all very most people are very selfish people, right? Like if we're, if, if we're not measuring ourselves from an outside perspective, we might be, we might t- all tend to be very um, selfish. And so this, 
we, we learn to mature and we learn to not be selfish because we're kind of slowing down this process and kind of seeing it from a bird's eye view and then able to intervene and manage relationships better. Are you quick-witted? Are you someone who like instantaneously has an emotional reaction when someone says something? So for me, I very much was, man, early on in my career. And um, I think I used to always blame it on my law enforcement time. But early on, I, I someone could say something. Someone could pick on some work that I've done, um, you know, and I would react. I mean, I would probably blow my top and react to that, right? And I think that's the first sign of not being able to have a strong EQ. Um, and so if you know those people that that kind of have those signs of low emotional EQ, right, They're, they become argumentative would be me in those days. Um, and it would be a defense mechanism to say, no, my work wasn't sucky and this was good. And, you know, while I th- was thinking of the intentions of the work, you know, the work might not have been great. And I was, I was reacting to their feedback as if they were attacking Bobby Doss and they were attacking my work. And, um, it, it was really hard for me to keep up with that emotions. And the, the one thing that I've learned over the years, and this won't solve it for everyone, but if I could just wait four seconds to not react to something physically or emotionally or verbally, uh, it would change the game for me personally. And I, I would have a tendency, Bobby, to to kind of blame others, whether I knew I was doing it or not know I was doing it. I, I would kind of, if a situation would, would come up to where, um, you know, something didn't go like a cell didn't go the way I wanted it to go or you probably prom- blamed it on the partner. <laughs> That's right. Blamed it on the partner. Um, or if I didn't get the promotion that I wanted uh, or whatever, right? Like I, it, to my, my first instinct would be to say, well, it was because of this political situation or if it was, it was because, you know, it was because the customer didn't, um, you know, they weren't, they weren't an intelligent customer, you know, like they couldn't, they couldn't even understand our value, right? Rather than look, you know, looking introspectively at, what I missed, like what, what are my, you know, we talked, we are, God, we probably spent a lot of the first years talking about kind of how we progressed up through the ranks in at tech companies and about how it, at the time it felt like it was, we were living or dying on that next role. Right. But like having 10 years perspective on that all, we look back and we're like, gosh, we just didn't have the experience. Yeah. You know, like, and, and that was a lack of maturity and the lack of self-reflection that we did not have 10 years ago. Uh, you know, 15 years ago when all this was going on. Um, and instead we were blaming others. I was blaming other people about why I, you know, why they, how could they not see that I'm not ready to take on this, this, uh, this leadership role. So a few other signs there that, that I guess are buckets of things that we can address over this series would be the, the, the other signs for low EQ or EI emotional intelligence would be people that don't listen uh, I, I'll probably say this a lot throughout the series, but another one that I struggled with, I was so focused on getting my point across and or cl- climbing the ranks that I did a, I did a lot of not listening and focusing on myself, which turns turns someone into more of a talker, right? They say more than they than they listen to. We know those people, and those people are all people that you should refer to this podcast. Um, Brian talked about blaming others. I talked about being argumentative and then I think emotional outbursts, right? Um, mm-hmm. I can remember, 
a friend of ours, work co- co-worker, manager of ours, we'll, we'll call him Matt for this episode, um, was challenging and trying to help me be a man- better manager. And we, we set up a scenario where I was going to be in a room and we were going to uh, try and see how I, I could work on my emotional uh, intelligence in that room. And, and I'll, I thought I did a great job. And he asked me how many times I slammed my fist into the table, and it was probably upwards of three or four, right? And I, it was only for the best, but I, people weren't listening, Brian. I needed yes. to get my point across. Or you were and passionate. I, I was passionate. passionate. You know, yeah. it, it was a way for me to turn it always into something that was a positive. But, man, um, I wasn't very good at, at really taking in the room and hearing everyone's opinion, which made me not get those early on opportunities and it took a while and experience like we already said and i think and so we've got i've collected some data so i did some research and found you know like so what does this mean like we know instinctually this will have repercussions and some of those repercussions could be just broken relationships they could be again not getting that promotion but there's some hard data on a lot of this stuff now too one of the most interesting studies i read said that when uh, EQ first appeared to the masses, it served as the missing link and a peculiar finding. And that finding was that people with average IQs outperform those with the highest IQs 70% uh, of the time. And that's because people with low EQ but high IQ uh, don't have the ability or struggle with the ability to handle interpersonal problems. And they have unsatisfactory teams because like whenever they're going through difficulty or conflict, they don't have the ability to adapt, to, to, to adjust, or to elicit trust in their team because they do respond emotionally or they are blaming others or they're being argumentative rather than like being a true leader. They're pointing fingers and not and not taking the blame. So the team, why, the team doesn't want to follow that. that, like, that that's chaos. The teams don't. Teams don't uh, follow under chaos. No question. And the statistic that I think was in, I think, the first few chapters of of Emotional Intelligence 2.0 was one that I found shocking was that 90% of high performers have high EQs without even reflecting on their aptitude or or IQs. And um, out of all the low performers, only 20% of them have a high EQ. And so if there's one attribute and what this show's all about is making you a better tech sales rep, it, it, it would lend to believe that this would be a very powerful component that needs to be in our, in our wheelhouse to be a better tech seller and to be a high performer and to get big commission checks. And so since we know we can change this one, no matter where we're at on the spectrum, everybody should be willing to invest a lot of time to get to that high performance bucket and have high EQ. Indeed, uh, Jack Welsh um, said it really best. He's kind of he was kind of the architect of GE and its restructure and massive success before uh, tech ate the world. Uh, but you know, known known as a great leader and really one of the innovators in defining EQ emotional intelligence from a business perspective, he kind of took this philosophy and applied a lot of business principles to it. And, and took his leadership team through a lot of this stuff, too. And he said, his quote is, No doubt, emotional intelligence is more rare than book smarts, but in my experience, it actually uh, is more important than uh, in making a leader. You just can't ignore it. Um, and so I, I, it's widely recognized, again, like this is not 
you know, people that are working on this aren't um, displaying immaturity by addressing it later in life. It's just a, because, again, senior leaders are looking at this stuff and, and trying to improve themselves here and find holes in how they approach situations. Um, and so, Bobby, I thought we would kind of finish up the episode by talking about the, uh, the four different components that make up uh, emotional intelligence. Um, and it's, it's kind of in a four box, and we'll also uh, put this in the show notes. But there's basically uh, four different components of this. In the first category, there's uh, recognition. Um, this is kind of your, this is yourself. This is how you react to things that are happening around you and inside of you. Uh, so recognition is self-awareness and social awareness. And then regulation, uh, this is how you manage things on the outside, is self-management and relationship management. So let's talk about uh, self-awareness. This is probably the most well-known when people say, oh, that person lacks self-awareness. You know, sometimes they're, you know, they're conflating that with something else. But so self-awareness is the most recognized of the emotional intelligence components. Um and let's talk through the list a little bit. So the first one under self-awareness is self-confidence. Uh, so just being able to carry yourself in a way that, you know, what uh, Jordan Peterson's book in the first chapter is, is, you know, stand straight up with your shoulders back. Uh, so having confidence in yourself, uh, in the way you deliver messages and, and, and be well researched and, and um, you know, be confident, be confident in what you're doing. It's a, it's a big part of self-awareness. Again, that will get conflated sometimes with, um, not picking up, you know, like you being egotistical would be pushing that obviously too far, but that is certainly a component of self-awareness. Um, awareness of your own emotional states. I think we all know people have worked with people that don't, they're, they're not reading themselves. They're not reading how they're reacting to, uh, situations. They're not, they don't recognize that they maybe didn't get enough sleep last night and they're snapping at people. Um, they also probably, well, I've known a few people that weren't weren't bashful and intentional about on the the negative end of the spectrum, right? They ruled by by fear and uncertainty, right? They they wanted you to feel like your job was constantly a risk, right? So their emotional yeah. state drove a level of negativity across the team that that kind of scared everybody, and they were probably managed like that at some point and, and somewhat had some success, so they repeated that, but. That's not what teams want to do, right? Try find a group of of twenty somethings now, the the group that most call millennials, and say, okay, let's 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 rule a group of millennials with an iron fist and see how well that goes over. I don't think it's going to be very well, but there there are people that I've seen Brian that have an awareness of their emotional state and are intentionally negative, and that that creates yeah. a terrible level of self awareness for them and their team, and really will crush a bunch of really good people really quick uh, if, if managers do try to do it on purpose. Yeah, I had um, one of the guys that worked for me, we had a one-on-one that was on Monday mornings. And, you know, I'm not in a bad mood on Monday mornings, but Monday mornings are not Friday mornings. And uh, they're certainly not Friday afternoons. And um, so I was probably just a little bit more businessy, right? Like not, not being very personable in the, in the one-on-one. And this is not like a forecast review. This is more than just a one-on-one getting caught up. And so what I did a terrible job of in that is I'd come, I'd come to that meeting and just, I'd, I'd have no personality at all. I was not, not again, not in a bad mood, just not aware of my own emotional state, which is kind of like, 
I got a lot of crap going on this week, a lot of crap going on this week. And this is like first meeting, you know, and like we're in it in this first meeting. And that's not, and, and he reacted to that. He says, man, are you okay? Did something, you know, something happened this weekend? And it's, I did, I was not recognizing my own emotional states and that has, it has implications. I mean, it was good of him to bring it up because I, I mean, that was years ago and it's something I still think about certainly anytime I have a Monday morning meeting. Well, I've heard this a thousand times, unfortunately, and, and it's something that sticks with me. And when I hear it now, like I, I sit down, regroup and and try to talk through it with people. But if I had a dollar for every time somebody said, are you in a bad mood today? Yeah. I would be a millionaire, (laughs) unfortunately. Um, but it, it is true that I probably carried a, a stench of frustration that wasn't frustration to me. I really wasn't frustrated, but it was this this focus and desire to execute that kept me heads down, uh, blinders on, and people people that aren't like that look at that and go, "Man, he's pissed off today." Yeah, and Bobby finally on self awareness uh, is paying attention to how others influence your emotional state and how you react to other people's emotional uh, state. You know, I business is certainly like in these times we're recording this, uh, while all the COVID stuff is hopefully coming to an end. Hopefully we're right at the edge of having a, a vaccine for it, but it's, it's tough. Like business is tough. Sales is tough right now. It's not, it's not the booming economy that we're, that we've been used to since, uh, the growth, uh, started back in 2010. So we're taking fire from a lot of different directions, right? Like, um, getting new sales is difficult. There's metrics, targets are being missed and all that kind of stuff. And if, if everyone, if your approach is negative in all business and you're not like slowing down and recognizing what's going on around you, you're, you're going to drive people away. Certainly if you're a leader, if you're, if you're an individual contributor, you're probably just sowing seeds of doubt, right? Like, which isn't helpful, you know, like go somewhere else. If you don't, if you don't believe the company is like, is doing good things and being innovative and that kind of stuff, then like you should find something else to go do. But complaining about it, or being a leader that's complaining about other people about it, um, and, and and you're you're impacting other people's emotional states, which is it's toxic for a work environment. No doubt, no doubt. So the next grouping is uh, social awareness, and this is picking up the mood in the room. Um, this is a this is a difficult difficult one. Uh, this is one that people probably have the biggest challenge um, learning if they don't already have a good measurement of this. Um, and this is where you are, you know, whether it's a relationship with somebody that you work with or, uh, you know, friends or family, it's caring about what others, other people are going through. It's recognizing the mood of the room. When somebody at lunch at work says, man, I'm, I'm going through this, maybe they don't even say it's a tough time, but they call out a challenging situation that's going on in their home life. You always have the guy on the table, girl at the table that says, that's like ready to move on to the next subject, right? That doesn't even recognize what this person's trying to get off their heart. And they're lacking in that scenario. They're lacking social awareness of what's going on around instead of like slowing down. And that person deliberately st- said some word, or maybe they didn't, maybe they didn't even intend to, to solicit some sort of response from you. That's going to give a caring reaction, but they're saying something that's heavy on their heart. And there are many people that just aren't good at recognizing uh, the tone of the room and reacting appropriately to the tone of the room. This is one where I think once I figured out that people were really different than me, <laughs> it helped me be better uh, as both a teammate and a manager. 
I think and the statement that worked for me, which may apply to some, might not, not apply to everybody, but this this uh, results-driven orientation for Bobby Doss that was about go, 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 win, 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 wasn't what everybody else wanted or focused on. Some wanted the flexibility of the tech sales work schedule and these other things. And a, and a mentor of mine said, look, the best team in the world is going to have a Bobby Doss and four people that are almost Bobby Doss and two people that are nothing like Bobby Doss. And that, that you managing that balance amongst all those people is what's going to make a great team. And I didn't realize that you needed to have the, the diversity of that team from a uh, emotional quotient standpoint, right? That, that I needed different people to feel different ways. And what's really hard as you, as you get to managing and trying to address more people is that if you had two people, one's happy, one's sad, you probably can see that. Take that and add it to 10 people and say two are really unhappy, two are really happy, and f- you know six people are kind of mediocre. How do you get all those people motivated? And take 10 people and turn it into 50 people like the Sparkown Houston office. And I found it literally got more difficult, more difficult the more those teams grew because you find yourself really and truly not being able to appease the whole group. You have to literally have a, me- a broad message that – brings hope and happiness and then you have to really sit down and talk to every individual uh, or your your management team and hope they they transverse it back to their team members because it just gets too big too fast and you can't pick up the mood of every person in the room but there probably is an overlying theme and I think as long as when I learned that Brian that there was this diverse group of people uh, from an emotional quotient standpoint that I had to be aware of um, some that needed a hug, some who didn't want you to hug them, you know, whatever. Th- that's hard to do, and you have to just address it in yourself and, and come ready to, to be very diverse in the way you handle it, for sure. Yeah, I, I think some people are are not bad at this as, as much as they are probably a little too fast in how they deal with other people. And maybe that's just as bad, right? Like, for me, in, I'm sure for a lot of people listening, we've got busy schedules. And it's hard for me to slow down and recognize what's what someone is saying, you know, and, and maybe where their headspace is at. Because look, I got a meeting that starts in twenty minutes, so let's get through this conversation. Whereas a, a much better version of me can slow down a little bit and maybe push that next meeting and, and kind of be more aware of what's going on in the conversation. Another bullet on this list from social awareness is caring what others are going through, and it happened to me probably 15 years ago now but someone was in the dumps I I had a lot of work I wanted to get done I had some some things I needed to prepare for a big meeting and it turned out that 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 happened to be the anniversary of one of their parents passing away and they just weren't no matter what I did no matter how important that deal was I couldn't change that and it's it's not something that people wear on their head that you can just say oh today's the anniversary of your mom passing away and and you just have to be aware that people have lives and that um, that kind of stuff sticks with people. And it it was that experience for a close friend that I wasn't aware of that at all made me re- reflect and realize, man, a lot of people can be going through a lot of stuff and this work might not always be the most important thing to everybody. And that's one that I carry with me today that when, when someone's in a bad mood, I kind of revert and say today could be the day that their parents died you know, their anniversary 
Give mm-hmm. him a break. Step back. Take a deep breath. If it continues for a week or so, maybe try to address it. But I, I use that as kind of my trigger now to say, okay, give him a break. It could be a really bad day for them. Yeah. So the final two we'll talk about, Bobby, um, are very closely aligned. But think of one as introspective and the other one uh, more interacting with others. Um, so self-management is how well you get along with others, as is relationship management. But in self-management, it's more about um, how you're handling your emotions during that um, during that conversation, whereas relationship management is more about um, you looking to actively uh, be a part of that relationship. You're looking to actively foster a relationship versus, oh, this person, I can't work with this person. It's just not going to work out, right? So self-management is more your ability to um, clearly express, uh, ide- like take a step back, clearly express your ideas and your thoughts, whereas relationship management is somebody approaches you with uh, a thought or a comment. It's your ability to take a step back. Like your first instinct may be, that's terrible because it's not my idea or it's, it conflicts with my idea. But it's to take a step back, look at the lens that they may be viewing the world through, and then re- re- find, trying to find middle ground rather than it just being pure conflict. And this is like, this is really, really difficult to do. Um, and it's something that constantly takes work. I think this is why you, like the senior most leaders constantly work on this is because you, you will become a, a dictator and someone that is very hard to do business with if you can't see other people's perspective. And I think that's, that's really what categorizes the regulation is how do you see other people's perspective? And then how do you react in that so that you can foster a good relationship between the two people? Love it. My uh, Twitter feed and Facebook feed say that very many people aren't good at this, Brian, that, that everyone's very bad at this right now. But the the reality yeah. on this one is from a from a family standpoint, I kind of, as you talk through that stuff, I think of it from a family perspective. And if, of course, my kids don't have experience. They're young kids and um, uh, marriage is something you work on for many years. And I think that I can remember in those to my wife and my family that a lot of times you you have to really sit down and talk about what they're trying to accomplish. What are they? What is this thing they're trying to accomplish in an argument or discussion? And I think it's the same thing through partnerships at work. Um, and I I remember saying often to partners and to to people that I worked with, you know, I can't be part time married and we can't be part time partners. We got to really we got to make this work. And that's why I think I was I was probably fairly good at the relationship management from a partnering perspective and being able to help them achieve their goals. Why I was still able to help them help me achieve my goals, I probably wasn't as strong necessarily as the self management side, and, and in clearly expressing my ideas individually to other teammates. And I've I've always kind of known that I could adapt and overcome with the customer and the partner, but I always kind of struggled a little bit more internally. And the broader the broader group would have said the same thing, and it took took me a lot of time for me to to understand that it was that EQ component that I was flipping a switch and adapting in real time when I was talking to a customer or a group of partners, and I didn't try to adapt internally. Like, why do I have to adapt internally? These people should just do what we want to do. Like, we're all focused on you know. It was just me, me, me. Yes. And I I was focused on that, and in turn, I think. If you feel that way and you're listening to this podcast, that's something for you to reflect on and for you to really dive into the next few episodes 
and change your EQ because it'll make you more valuable to your team and to your company. I, I could not agree more. I think the uh, they say that the people we love most, we hurt the most. And uh, I think it's we almost become, we, we start to kind of maybe build up some scar tissue with how we react and how we respond. And to your point, like if it's a business partner or somebody that's, you know, helping you make your business successful or grow your business, um, then you're like, you're, you're actively working on this, right? Like there's a vested interest for you to get this right, except, you know, maybe in a personal relationship, you're kind of willing to not burn a bridge, but just be more crass with this maybe. And it's the most important relationship of them all. So this is, it's a really important one. And we'll unpack these two in the final episode of the series. Yeah. My final point for today is that it never was intentional. I wasn't intending on poo-pooing on that relationship or their thoughts. I just, I just didn't think I needed to do it. Like I forgot that they had something going on in their life. I just thought we were focused on doing the the thing that meant the most to our company or to our to our bottom line, my commission check, and I lost sight of that. Um, I never meant ill will, but it boy did I create some ill will along the way. I think we all have stories like that, and I think anyone that listens to this, uh, myself included, and thinks, "Oh, the, I got all these nailed," you. That that is that is also a sign of low EQ. Like us, even us doing a series on this doesn't mean we have mastered at all. It just means that there's an there's an interesting framework and it's a constant opportunity to improve. No doubt. So with that, Bobby, let's wrap up. Um, average is the enemy. Average sucks. Don't be average. Don't have a low EQ. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to The Tech Sales Show. Subscribe to our email list at www.techsaleshow.com and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Tech Sales Show. Until next week, average is the enemy.